you'll stand with us, the book of Judges, chapter number one. I had somebody ask me when I come in, yeah, I'd been to the skin doctor this week. Somebody asked me if I'd been in a bar fight, and uh, I said no. I said, uh, I just haven't been to the skin doctor, so uh, I just wanted you to know me and my wife are getting along good. Amen. It's no problems. We got a rule. If we're going to fist fight, it's on Monday. Amen. That way we got time to heal up through the week. So y'all don't look so sanctified. Amen. I heard a guy say one time, he said, I never had an argument with my wife. I said, he's either severely henpecked or he's a liar. Amen. But uh, he's not telling the truth unless he, she runs the house. Amen. So uh, that's for what it's worth this morning. You can have it. But uh, Judges chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? Verse number 2. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the, ha- the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. And Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites uh, into their hand, and they slew of them in Bezek ten thousand men. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, and they fought against uh, him, and they, fled, and they slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued after him, and caught him, and cut off his thumbs and his great toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Three score and ten kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table. As I have done, so God hath requited me. And they, bes- and they, bought him, they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Let's bow for a word of prayer, then you can be seated. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence this morning, we come to the throne of grace and mercy. Dear God, we come in Jesus' name, that name that is above every name. I pray, God, that you'll bless the reading of thy words, speak to hearts. I pray, God, that you'll draw people to the, uh, to the foot of the cross, those that may be here and be lost. I pray they'll be saved. I pray for those that are backslid, God, that they would get right with you. And dear Lord, encourage those that are discouraged and strengthen the weary. And God, for what you do, we love you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach on this subject on maintaining your grip and your balance in life. Maintaining your grip and your balance in life. And you'll notice with me in Judges chapter number one here that this man that we read about in verse number five by the name of Adonai Bezek, who the Bible says uh, was in Bezek, notice the word of God said that they fought against him. In other words, that this is a man that is fighting against the people of God and against God himself. Now this is a very uh, strange but yet interesting story and I want to just give you the outset of this message and then the thought that God has laid upon our heart concerning this message Message, uh, maintaining your grip and balance in life. When you think about this man here, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is who is he a picture or a type of? I think we could say that certainly he is a picture and a type of every sinner who does not know God and wars against God. But more so than that, he is a picture of Satan himself. When you think about Ananias and Bezek and you think about uh, who he is and what he stands for, he is a 
picture of none other than the devil. You say, well, Brother Gravely, what do you mean by that? Well, notice with me in verse number five here. Uh, see that this man is a picture of Satan in his reign. As the Bible said that they found Ananias Bezek in Bezek. Now the word uh, Ananias Bezek simply means the Lord of Bezek, for that's who he was. In other words, he had a palace, uh, he had a strong principality, and he had a place uh, uh, that he abode in, or a refuge uh, uh, that he resided in. Now the children of Israel go up, Judah and Simeon, and they warred against the Canaanites and the Perizzites, uh, and the Bible said that they killed 10,000 men in Bezek. But you'll notice that Ananias Bezek is in this stronghold. In other words, he's got a castle, he's got a place uh, in which that he is hiding in. And you know the Bible says that Satan is the prince and the power of this air. And he's got principalities and he's got strongholds in this life. And we're living in that day. And so he's a picture of him in his reign. But also I see that he's a picture of him in his rebellion. As the Bible says in verse number five that they fought against him. In other words, just because 10,000 men had been destroyed by the children of Israel, Ananias Bezek was not about to give up. He was still rebelling against God and he was rebelling against the people of God. I want to say that's uh, it's so true about the devil today. The devil never gives up, friend. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how much scripture you can quote. I don't care, listen, if you're a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist, a missionary, a housewife, a, a preacher's wife, the devil never gives up this morning. He's a rebeller against God and against his people. Now, this is not in the sermon, but I want to stop and say this. If you want to know why there's so many people in church that rebel against the church and the pastor today, there's a simple reason, simple answer for that. If it's over and over again, you mark it down, that person's never been saved. Amen? That's why they butt against the church. They butt against the man of God. It's because they don't know God. They're a goat. That's what goats do. Can I get a witness right there? And here's a man that represents Satan in his rebellion. But also I see that in his running. As the Bible said in verse number six, that he fled. Amen. You know what happens in this chapter here? The Bible says that the children of Israel, they call on the Lord. They seek God's wisdom. God helps them. They go war against this nation and this man rises up. He will not give up, but they don't give up fighting. And guess what? They resist him and the word of God says that he has to flee. And you know, that's what the devil does in our life. Uh, he'll come in our life, Brother Chris. Uh, and when he comes in our life, uh, listen, the Bible said in James chapter four, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And you know why the devil gives so many people a hard time today? One simple reason. Because they let him, amen? The devil can have no ground that what you don't give him this morning, friend. If there's a stronghold in your life, it's because you're giving in to that temptation. God said he'll make a way of escape. You don't have to go that way. You don't have to follow the devil. You don't have to let the devil run you rough shop this morning. If you'll stand against him and if you'll claim the victory that God has given you, you can overcome the power and the temptation of Satan through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so he represents him in his running. He represents him in his ruin. Notice what he said in verse number six. They cut his thumbs and his great toes off and he says, three score and ten kings have their thumbs and their great toes cut off. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, Brother Chris, I thought, how strange is that? That this man would capture 70 kings 
and cut their thumbs and their toes off. You would think a king would just, uh, that captures one king, you think instead of cutting a man's thumb or cutting his toe off, you would think that his motive would be to cut his head off. Can I get a witness right there? But he doesn't do that. You say, well, preacher, why would he capture them and not cut their head off? I'm going to tell you why. Because Ananias Bezek, just like the devil, before he drags them off into eternity, he knows eventually he's going to kill them. But before he does that, he wants to cut their thumbs and their toes off because, number one, he wants to humiliate them. Amen? He wants to make life miserable for them. He wants to cripple them for life. Do you realize that's what the devil wants to do to every one of us? Now, don't get me wrong. He'd like to send everybody to hell. But if he can't send you to hell because you're saved, then he wants to make your life miserable. He wants to humiliate you with sin. He wants to bring shame into your life. He wants to cripple you for life. Just like this man. Now when I think about him, I think about what he did to these 70 kings. And the Bible says here in verse number 7, notice with me, he says that they gathered their meat under my table. You know what? You know what Ananias Bezek did? He gave these men an invitation to come sit at his table and eat their meat. In other words, he set the trap just like Satan does in all of our life. And his purpose is, is to cause them to lose their grip and balance in life. You see, if you lose your thumb, that's what happens. You lose your grip. Your thumb is what helps you. Listen, it beats a whole lot harder to pick this up without my thumb. But if I've got my thumb, I can, I've got a good firm grip on it. Isn't that right? And see, if you're, when you lose your thumb, you lose your grip. Do you know that your big toe is what gives you your balance when you walk? It's what keeps you stable. Them two big toes. Hey, you know what this man wanted to do? He wanted everybody he come in contact with. He didn't just want to kill them. He didn't just want to destroy them. But he wanted to make life miserable. He wanted to bring shame into their life. He wanted to cripple them for life. He wanted them to lose their grip and their balance in life. I cannot tell you. I can't even remember how many people that I've pastored that I've watched them do that down through the years. In fact, in 2016, I think I've seen more people in church, not just here, but abroad. I've watched them lose their grip and balance in life than I think I ever have in all of my Christian life. Several churches I can recall that uh, I would go back to and to the point that I would say to a pastor, where is so-and-so? Where, where, where's so-and-so that used to sit on the front row, that used to sing in the choir, that used to teach Sunday school? If I heard it once, I heard it 10 times over last year. Well, they're no longer with us anymore. And I'm not talking about people that just slide in and slide out. I'm talking about people that are faithful. I'm talking about people that are strong. I'm talking about people that are steadfast. Hey, if 2016 taught me anything, it taught me this. Uh, consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Friend, I'm telling you, I don't want to blow out. I don't want to become a casualty. I don't want to give up. I don't want to quit. I don't want to get on the sideline. I, hey, I don't want to have a fallout. I don't want to be unfaithful. I don't want to throw in the towel. I don't want to get sidetracked. I don't want to get on another course in these last days. I want to stay with God as they sung about a while ago. And friend, I'm watching the best of them lose their grip and balance in life. 
And I see this man, how that he lost his grip and balance in life. But notice what the Bible says in verse number seven. In his own words, he says that God hath requited me. And they brought him to Jerusalem and there he died. I've got good news for you. Just like the devil, this man is a loser. This man is losing the battle. This man is not a winner, but thank God he is a loser. The people of God overcome him. In First John chapter four and verse number four, the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Do you know that's exactly what happens in our text? Uh, the people of God overcome this man as, listen, as bad and as wicked as he was, they overcome him through the power of Almighty God. You know, you don't have to let the devil have his way in your life. They take this man to Jerusalem and he dies there. Thank God victory was won at Calvary, wasn't it? In the streets of Jerusalem, our Savior's blood was shed at Calvary. And here's a man that had caused 70 other men to lose their grip and balance in life. I wonder this morning, have you lost your grip today on life? Have you lost your balance in life? You see, I don't want to be a liberal, but I sure don't want to be a Pharisee neither. Amen. I don't want to, listen, I I don't want to reach the place uh, uh, where that I live under legalism, but I don't want to live under liberalism either, amen? There is a balance in life. In raising your children, there's a balance. In being a husband, there's a balance. In being a wife, there's a balance. This morning, in pastoring a church, there's a balance all throughout life. And friend, you can have that balance. You don't have to lose your grip. I remember when my kids uh, began to get about 15 and 16 years old, I began to look around and I saw some men that I'd served God with. I watched them ease up. I watched them give in. And I'm not being critical, but I watched them change their convictions because you know why? It's hard to raise teenagers. It's tough raising and teens. And hey, let me say to every one of you teenagers this morning, don't give your parents any grief. Amen. Love your parents. Follow. If you got godly parents trying to train you and teach you right, you need to stay with God and you need to stay with your parents and don't cause them an ounce of grief in life. Because it's tough raising teenagers in this society. But I watched preachers change. And I told my wife, I said, you know what? There's a temptation in my heart to change. Now, before you judge me this morning, I just want to tell you what happens. Sometimes you get weary in the battle. I'm not playing a violin. Don't feel sorry for me. But hey, it's hard to pastor church, raise kids, and raise a family. You got, you're dealing with all that sometimes. And if there ain't trouble on one end, there's trouble in another. You know why? Because Satan is walking around seeking whom he can devour. And I told my wife when our girls began to get 15 and 16 years old, I said, you know what we need to do? We need to get a stronger grip on parenting. And I didn't have kids that was creating me grief at the time, but they were teenagers. They had their battles like every other teenager. Now let me just say this, Mom and Dad, don't be so naive to think that your kids don't have struggles in life. You say, I, raise, I, t- I take them to a good church. I, I train them right. I put the right conviction, yes, but they still live in a fleshly tabernacle and the devil comes after them and there's things that goes on in their mind and their heart you never know about and you never see. Job offered sacrifice for his children because he said it may be that they've cursed God in their hearts. You know what Job did? He took into consideration that there's something that could be brewing in my kids' hearts that, that I don't know anything about. 
And I told my wife, I said, listen, I said, we've got to tie, we, we, we just got to get tighter. I remember setting our children down and said, hey, I, now listen, you know, this is how we, uh, this is what we taught you. This is what we believe. And if anything else was more right than that, we'd be teaching you that. Somebody say amen. I never made no apologies about what we believed or, or where we stood. But I told them, I said, listen, y'all have reached the age of 15 and 16. I said, me and your mother's prayed. And here's what we feel like we need to do as a family. We just need to tighten up more. We just need to get more close. We just need to get some more convictions in our life. And I know that's not popular, and I know it goes against the grain, but I'm just telling you, friend, I believe it's right. I believe it's right. I don't believe you give freedom. I don't believe you give liberty to just go out and do. I'm not giving my flesh that kind of liberty. I sure wouldn't give my children that kind of liberty. I watch sometimes as a pastor, and you can see the train coming down the tracks with parents, how they let their children make choices they've got no business making. This is not what I intended to preach, but I believe it's of God. They let their children choose about their education. They let their children choose if they're, when they're going to go to church sometimes, if they feel like going to church. Hey, I grew up in a generation where you didn't have a choice, and they didn't care about your feelings. Amen. Only feelings that you ever, uh, my parents ever worried about was warming your backside if you didn't do what you was told. I still believe that. Somebody say amen. I never got asked as a teenager what I thought about something. I got told what to do. Y'all remember those days? Hey, if you're raising children, quit asking and start telling, and I promise you life will go a whole lot easier for you. You say, well, they may not like it. Hey, they may huff and they may puff, but I promise you they're not gonna blow the house down, amen? It may blow up if you let them have their way, but stand firm, get a tight grip, hold on to what you love, hold on to what you appreciate, hold on to what God gives you. Don't turn loose of them. Don't give them to the world, the flesh of the devil. Hold on to them as long as you can, amen. I held on to mine as long as I could. And when the day come for him to get married, I let go. I'm talking about having a grip and a balance in life. There's three things I'll give these to you and be done this morning. I want you to see in this text here how that Israel defeated this man. You see, if Anani Bezek would have won this, if he'd have won this battle, do you know what he would have done? The same thing he had done 70 times before. He had to cut their thumbs and their toes off. But you know what? How they kept their grip and how they kept their balance in life, three simple things. I'll give them to you and be done. Number one, they called on God in prayer. Notice the Bible says in verse number one, now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord saying, who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? You know how Israel won this battle? They called on God in prayer. Hey, listen, this morning you may be here and say, Preacher, I've lost my grip. I've lost my balance in life. Or maybe you feel like it's slipping away. You say, how do I get it back? I'm gonna tell you how you get it back. You gotta call on God in prayer. And I'm not talking about just a one-time friend, a one-time prayer friend. I'm talking about you gotta call on God and pray. You know, I don't know how many times I've had to fall on my face and say, Dear God, help me with my family. Help me with my children. Help me with my church. Help me with my flesh. Help me, God, to serve you. Help me with my Bible reading. Help me with my prayer life. I'm talking about it works, friend. There's no magic potion. There's no magic wand. But I'm telling you what will work. If you'll get a hold of the horns of the altar and say, dear God, I'm not going to let go until I ring the bells of heaven. If you'll call on God in prayer, it will work this morning. Amen. 
I'm telling you the good news is that every person in this building, regardless of where you're at with God, regardless of what you're doing, I don't care where your life is, I don't care how many mistakes you've made, I don't care what you've messed up and tore up, if you'll get on an old-fashioned altar and call on God in prayer, you can get your grip back in life. You can find your balance. You can find your way again. But you're going to have to pray. Notice that they called on God in prayer. They asked the Lord for direction. They asked God for defense and they asked him for deliverance. Hey, hear me well this morning. Sometimes in life, that's what you gotta pray. God, lead me in the right direction. Lord, would you be my defense and my deliverer? I'm telling you, he will deliver you. If you've got a sin problem, ask him to help you with it. Ask him to deliver you from it. If you need direction, if you've lost your way, get on an altar and say, God, help me to find clear direction in my life. He will help you this morning. Y'all still with me today? I'm talking about call on God in prayer. Number two, I want to say claim the promises of God's word. Look what he said in verse number two. And the Lord said... Judah shall go up. Behold, I've delivered the land into his hand. You know what God did here? God gave them a promise in verse number two because they prayed. They they took God at his word. Listen, they didn't go on their feelings. They didn't go on what other people said. They went on what God said in his word. Israel, listen to me, Israel had the same thing that you and I have this morning when they went into the battle against this wicked man. They had the word of God. They didn't have an experience. They didn't have a miracle. They just stepped out on faith and said, God said if Judah goes up, he's gonna win the battle. He's gonna lead us to victory. Hey friend, I wanna tell you something. Prayer will always lead to a promise. And if you'll claim the promise that God has given you, God will give you the victory this morning. It's real simple. So many people choose to live their life defeated. I'm going to tell you why. They won't invest the time to just read and pray. You say, preacher, I'm so busy. But your life is falling apart. Things are crumbling in the forefront. Don't you think it would be worth taking a few minutes every day and just getting some counsel from the Word of God. I found out, listen, it's better to read a little than to read nothing. Somebody say amen. This book is so powerful. It don't take 10 chapters and I'm for reading 10 chapters a day. Pour it in your life. Read all you can. But when you hit them busy spots in life, don't just not read nothing. And if you didn't read nothing yesterday, then read something today. Don't quit just because you fell on your face. Amen. I'm telling you, pick it back up again. Read it another day. Pray a little bit more. If you want out of the mess you're in, reading and praying works. Hey, it will help you this morning. Now be honest with me. How many of y'all have not exercised since January the 1st? Raise your hand, be honest. Okay, the rest of y'all look like you're under deep conviction right now. (laughs) You know the gyms fill up January 1st like never before. People go to buying pills and they go to buying vitamins, I mean like it's pot, you know? And they just go out of style with it. I mean they go crazy. They buy all that. They exercise, man. They give it 150%. And by Valentine's Day, they want to sell everything they got. I, get, I laugh at these people that want a treadmill for Christmas. You know? 
and they go to every dinner and every engagement and they're filling up on everything. That's what they want for. You know what a treadmill's good for? Hanging clothes on. Somebody say amen. That's about it. You know the half of us has been there and done that. Do you know something? You may have not have walked one day. You may have not exercised one day this year. But I'm going to tell you something. If you walked out there right now and started walking around this church, do you know it'd help you? You see, we get in our mind because we haven't been consistent every day, and we should be. We feel like it won't do us no good. But the truth of the matter is, any exercise helps you. Can I get a witness? You ought to read your Bible. You ought to pray every day. But the truth of the matter is, reading it any of the time will help you. And I've watched people get in a pit and sink further down all because they won't pray, all because they won't read. Hey, friend, listen, there's times I read and pray, but there's times I read more and I pray more. I'm going to tell you when I pray the most and when I read the most uh, is when I feel myself going down in the valley, when I feel myself going down in the pit. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, that's when we call on God more. That's when we read the Bible more. And it'll help you in the midst of that time. It'll keep you from losing your grip and balancing life. Let me close with this thought this morning. Not only do they call on God in prayer, they claim the promise, but notice in verse number three, they carried through with the plan. They prayed, God spoke, but that wasn't enough. You know what they had to do? The Bible said, and Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me. It is my lot that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. Now, I personally don't believe Simeon had to go because if you look at verse number two, God promised the victory to Judah. Amen. Judah was going to win because God said, if Judah goes up, he said, I put the, he said, I put the land in their hand. And so the Simeon didn't really need to go. It may have very well even been a lack of faith on Judah's part, but nevertheless, God kept his promise and I'm not going to be critical of that because I'll be honest with you there's times God's gave me the promise uh, but I doubted even in the midst of the promise my faith wasn't at its fullest uh, but thank God he still gave the victory amen but what I'm saying is they prayed and listen God gave the promise uh, but the responsibility was still on their shoulders to fight and to carry through with the plan amen you see you can pray and you can own a Bible and you can read it but if you don't practice what you read, if you don't, this is God's plan. If you don't carry through with the plan, guess what? You're never going to win the battle. Sitting on one side of the river claiming the promise wasn't enough. Friend, they had to fight the enemy. And I promise you this morning, when church is over with, if you've prayed and you've got help and you've got the promise, thank God for that. But when you walk out them doors, there's an enemy waiting at the doorstep. He's waiting for you. And you've got to be willing to fight the battle. But if you'll just get in the fight, if you'll just get in the battle, guess what? The promise will kick in. Stay in the battle. Stay in the fight. Keep going forward for God. And the promises will kick in. You see, I've watched people do this. I've watched them come to an altar and pray as sincere as I believe anybody could pray. They heard the word. God gave them the promise and they said the prayer. But when they walked out the doors and the enemy stood there, they threw their hands up and they surrendered. I'm telling you, friend, the people that survive this Christian life for God, they're not perfect. They don't walk on a different plateau. You say, well, how do they seemingly have so much victory in their life? I'm going to tell you why. They won't retreat and they won't surrender. I think everybody here this morning, Brother Laddie, I think you would agree with this. Brother Charles, I think you would agree with this. After 50 and 60 something years serving God, it's still a fight, ain't it? 
Brother Jack, is it still a fight today for you? The enemy hasn't changed. He's going to be waiting on you when you walk out them doors just like he is me. You say, well, why do they have so much victory in their life and I can't get it in mine? Because they won't quit. They're staying in the fight. They're coming into church week in and week out. They come pushing a, pushing a walker. They come in listening on a cane. They, they come in putting one foot in the front of the other. Hey, we're in a fight, friend. We're in a battle. And Jonathan, it ain't gonna end until we get to the graveyard. In fact, the further you serve God, I believe the battle just intensifies that much more. It's not for the weak. It's for the strong. Oh, but I wanna tell you, if you'll just make your mind up that come what may, I'm gonna stay in this fight. I'm gonna stay in church. I'm going to stay where God put me. You'll win the battle. Amen. Amen. I'll be honest with you this morning. I've lost some fights. I faced the enemy and at times he has won. He's defeated me. He said, what do you do, preacher? I just pick my sword up. Pick my shield up. I just dust myself off. And I said, that booger got me today. I gave in to the flesh. I gave in to the devil. And don't act like you ain't never have. Don't act like everything's perfect. We, we're not that dumb. I've been serving God long enough to know that ain't none of us got it all together, friend. Especially not like we want people to think we do. But there's times, boy, he's knocked me down. And it was, hey, yes, it's my fault. I failed. But I picked the sword back up. Hey, you know what you need to do sometimes when you feel most defeated? You need to walk through your house and you just need to pick the sword up. You just need to go sit down somewhere. Even when you don't feel nothing. I remember a time in my life for two years I couldn't feel nothing. Nothing. But I'm glad I didn't quit picking my sword up. I'd read... I remember reading through the Bible and never, I'm just being honest with you, God didn't speak to me for them two years, brother. Brother Steve. I remember one Sunday, y'all remember that back in January when we had that, those four services, we had 25 people saved. Preached on hell every Sunday. I couldn't feel nothing. I was more numb to God than I ever been my whole life during that month. I'd pray, Brother Radry, I'd read, I'd try to get a message, and all week I couldn't get one sermon from God. And I'm going to tell you what I did. I was sitting there, I was sitting there in, the, in my office one day, and I just, I just poured my soul out to God. I said, God, have you abandoned me? I know you said you'd never leave me, nor forsake, but He wasn't talking to me. I'm never told this. And I reached over there and I picked up a, a book by Oliver B. Green on hell. And I read a chapter of that. And God didn't speak to my heart. I went to church that Sunday morning. I was so defeated. I didn't know what God was doing. I didn't know if I was even supposed to be at this church anymore. And I remember standing right here and the choir was singing. And the Holy Ghost, the only thing He said to me, Brother Daniel, the Holy Ghost said, you remember what you read in that book, Oliver B. Green said about hell? That question he asked that week. He said, preach that question this morning and I'll help you. And I preached that question. And I didn't feel nothing. I, I didn't feel God. We had four or five people get saved. And the next Sunday, I read another chapter, and God said, preach that question. And four or five people got saved, and, 
And for the next four weeks, people was getting saved. Hey, that was the year our prayer room was born. That's the year we had that two-week revival that God just set down. That's the year our bus ministry started. That's the year the Bible college started. And you know what? That's the best year for the church. But that's the worst year of my Christian life. I didn't feel nothing. You say, preacher, why would you say that? Because I'm going to tell you why. Don't feel sorry, God. I feel God now. But I know now why God let me go through that. I couldn't see that then. I didn't, I didn't want to be around people. I, I'll tell you, when you don't feel God, friend, it affects every area of your life. But I'm telling you that for this reason. Something inside of me said, don't you quit praying. Don't you quit reading. No matter how you feel. Don't you quit preaching. Don't you quit pastoring that church. You just hold her steady. You just hold it steady. And that's all. And I'm going to tell you something. You stay in, if you'll stay in the battle, that's it. You got to keep coming every service. You got to keep reading. No matter how you feel in life, you got to stay in the battle. Because here's why I remember where I was at when the promises kicked in. Now I about shout over this. I remember sitting down one night, two o'clock in the morning, and I'm telling you, God. God just sat in that living room with me, Brother Laddie. I don't know how to explain it. I didn't see a light. I didn't see an angel. I didn't see a vision. I don't believe in all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you what I did experience. I sat in my living room after walking through a valley, and I felt the Holy Ghost just sat down in that living room with me. There's no song. I had play and it said, when peace like a river. Is that how it goes? Attendeth my way. And sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot. I remember saying, Lord, if this is my lot, I'm just going to do. It's my responsibility. See, that's something we don't preach no more. I couldn't quit being a dad. I couldn't quit being a husband. I couldn't quit being a pastor. I couldn't quit because responsibility. That's a word. That everybody in this room needs to remember. Responsibility. Quit going on your feelings and recognize your responsibilities in life and hold to them. But I said, Lord, if this is my lot, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say. And when I said, it is well with my soul, I'm telling you, God flooded my soul with peace, Brother Chris. I'm telling you, and I shouted again. I felt the Holy Ghost. I felt the presence of God. I wouldn't want to go through it again, but I wouldn't take nothing for it. It'll change your perspective in life. The things that used to matter, they don't matter no more. He's what matters this morning. The allegiance and the loyalties that you have are not near as much, but they're so much better because it's all about Him. I wonder this morning, have you lost your grip in life? Have you lost your balance? Have you let the enemy, he's about to take you down. As we stand this morning, I know I've been long preaching, but I just felt like the Lord wanted me to say that this morning. You can get your grip back if you'll call on the Lord, if you'll claim his word, his promises, and if you'll carry through with the plan. It just comes down to raw determination of saying, you know what? I don't care what happens in my life. 
I don't care what it is or what it's not. I'm just going to stay with God and old time religion. I've messed it up. I've, 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 I've marred it up. But I'll tell you what, I'm just going to call on God and I'm going to stay in the fight. I'm just going to stay in church. I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do. No matter what happens in my life, I'm going to do what's right. If you'll do that this morning, God will help you. What page are we going to sing, dear brother?